Age to Practice, applying educational reading in the classroom. Join in the conversation using hashtag PagePracticePodcast. Page to Practice is a podcast focusing on the application of education research in the classroom. Each episode features a conversation with a different guest, teachers, authors and others interested in education, talking about what the phrase from page to practice means to them and the importance of applying evidence to classroom practice. Hi, this is Series 5, Episode 5, and today I talk all things podcasting, reading and CPD with Arthur Moore. Enjoy. Hi, so this morning I am, well it's not even the morning is it? Oh never mind, this afternoon I'm here talking to Arthur. So Arthur, could you introduce yourself please? Uh, So hi Becca and hi everyone to listening. So my name's Arthur Moore. So I was a secondary maths teacher by trade. I trained with the uh, Teach First scheme back in uh, 2010, I think. Uh, I've taught in schools across the UK in different types of schools. I've also taught internationally in Thailand uh, for a few years. Um, I left the classroom about two and a bit years ago, um, and I'm now mainly an online maths tutor, so I'm still in the world of education. And I also host uh, or co-host, I should say, the educational podcast Tea and Teaching, which you have been on, Becca. So indeed, it's, we, I have. We reverse <laughs> roles today. We reverse roles. Yeah. <laughs> and so, before we move on, because I definitely want to talk to you about the podcast, what does the phrase "from page to practice" mean to you? So, for me, thinking about this question, you said I was thinking it's about the word "from." So it's not page and practice. It's about what you can take from the page and apply that to your practice. Um, so that's kind of what it means to me. It means what can I take from what I'm reading, what I'm information I'm taking in, and apply it to what I am doing. Um, so that's what it means to me. You're listening to From Page to Practice. Join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag PagePracticePodcast. As we move on now, um, today I was hoping to start by talking a bit about your podcast. So can you tell us kind of what it's all about? So Tea and Teaching is, without me going into too much of muscle memory, it's the educational podcast that you can listen to with a cup of tea. So it's co-hosted by myself and my good friend Mike Carrowell, who is a PE teacher uh, by trade and still in the classroom. And we basically use it as a way to talk with people from across the educational world. So we talk with teachers, head teachers, consultants, authors, psychologists, like everyone who we think is interested in education and we want to talk to, we talk to, and then we kind of share those conversations. That's great. So what what made you start it? What made you even think about doing it? So I much. I've always been a huge fan of podcasts, like since the pre, uh, when they went mad days, um, always listened to podcasts. I was brought up on radio, so my parents played a lot of radio, so radio was a big part of my life. Um, so started listening to podcasts, uh, got me and Mike both were big into podcasts, so we used to spend hours talking about podcasts we're listening to, and then... Uh, when I moved back from Thailand with my young family, me and Mike wanted to keep talking about podcasts and teaching and stuff. So we started Tea and Teaching to talk specifically about uh, education. 
we've realised quite quickly that the podcasts were much more interesting if we had a guest on to talk to rather than just people listening to me and Mike. Uh, and that's kind of where Tea and Teaching came from. We've, we're about 60-odd episodes in now, been going for about two years, and we've just released a mini-pod accompanying Tea and Teaching called uh, Teachable Moments, where educators from across the world share a teaching tip in the time it takes to boil a cup of tea. So that's kind of the background to Tea and Teaching. Yeah, sure. So what what do you, either personally or professionally, I guess, it might might have a bit of both in this, what do you get out of doing the podcast? So what we get out of doing the podcast is we get to talk to some really interesting people who, um, I suppose the polite way of being, saying it would be, maybe were too busy to talk to us otherwise. <laughs> so uh, I'm thinking of some of the people we've had on. I couldn't just, I wouldn't just call these people up and say like, fancy a chat. We get to have these awesome conversations because we've got the podcast as a platform to then share these conversations, these ideas. Um, So we get to talk to some brilliant people. It's the best CPD I've ever had. I know we're going to talk about CPD wider, but talking to these people is just the best. uh, It's the best CPD I've ever had. It's it's selfishly, it's brilliant. And then I hope (laughs) other people also get something else out of it as well. Yeah, I've heard people say that before. I think Phil Naylor often used to say, you know, you know, I'm having these great conversations. Yeah. I'm loving this. It's just a, it's a bonus that other people are going to get to benefit from it as well. But, you know, really enjoying it yourself and getting that from it. So if that's what you get from it, what do you hope your listeners get from it? So the way we try and structure the podcast is we try and keep it really informal. So uh, we chat a bit about what we want to talk about in the pod. We might pick a topic. Um, but the conversations you hear on TNT are the conversations we've had. So we really don't edit the pod. Uh, we don't take stuff out. We don't put stuff in that we wish we had done retrospectively. Um, so what we're hoping you're hearing is a kind of honest conversation between people who are passionate about what they do. Um, hopefully you hear me and Mike asking the questions you would want to ask uh, because they're the questions we want to ask. So I've got a awkward well awkward a difficult question that you might not want to answer or you might want to say more than one do you have a favorite episode so we often talk about this me and mike and we often talk about it. so we've talked to some awesome people and i could shout them all out but i think when you ask that question i think about what episode has changed my point of view or challenged me or made me think um and the one that stands out straight off the bat would be talking to emma shepherd of the maternity paternity teaching project. Um, She does loads of awesome work with teachers, educators, schools, and educational systems about how to make teaching a more um, parent-friendly profession. Um, And talking to her, um, I've I've got two young kids myself. My, My wife is also a teacher, so this is something we've spoken about. But talking to someone who is as informed, as passionate about Emma, really kind of challenged me to go away and rethink about the topics we were talking on so that's the one that stands out when we were doing the pod I was like yeah like this is a good that was a good conversation I really enjoyed that I but I could pick out loads of people of course I I knew I was being difficult when I asked that question so you were number two you were number two Becca don't worry obviously obviously (laughs) so um do you listen to, I think you've said you do, um, any podcasts yourself? So before we move away from podcasts a little bit, have you got any um, either educational or otherwise podcasts you listen to that you'd like to say, oh, yeah, I really like these ones? 
So I listen to a lot of podcasts, not all educational. Do you know what? I actually don't listen to a huge amount of educational podcasts. I listen to quite a few, but um, like I probably listen to 15, 20 hours of podcasts a week. That's kind of my go-to when I'm driving, walking, doing the washing up. Like that's my go-to. Um, so if you're talking kind of educational podcasts, uh, there's some absolutely brilliant ones out there. Um, I'm still going through the back catalogue of Darren Leslie's Becoming Educated. Um, I came to that. I came to that quite late after we spoke to Darren on the pod, um, and there's so much good stuff in there. I love going back, listening to that. My first kind of going to education podcast was with someone who I am going to mention a few times was Craig Barton. His podcast, which used to be epic, like four or five hour podcasts, um, and they are. They're still my go-to. He does his kind of uh, his tip, tips for teachers. Um, but I can name, like, there's so many good ones out there. There's some absolutely brilliant podcasts out there, all from different kind of perspectives. Um, and if you use the hashtag EduPod, you can kind of go and see what we do, like Tiny Talks, uh, like we've already mentioned, um, Mind the Gap. There's, there's just so many. Um, kind of away from, not really away from education, but still kind of educate me, uh, like, I'm quite a fan of current affairs, Becca. So there's a lot of like politics. There's a lot of Americast. Um, and I should shout out the greatest podcast series ever made, which was The Coming Storm on BBC Sounds, all about how QAnon came about and how it grew as a movement. I think that's the bed po- best podcast series I've ever listened to. So I always shout that out. Things it's really good for us to listen to a variety of things, isn't it? Someone the other day I was speaking to said, oh, can I mention this book? It's not a teaching book. And yeah, definitely, because we're not just teachers, right? When <laughs> You've got all sorts of other things going on around you. So to talk about your interests outside and how that kind of affects your life and, and things is really important. Yeah, like teachers, we're people as well, aren't we? So the things we are interested in are going to influence us as as educators. Absolutely. So kind of moving away from the the podcast thing now, um, obviously the theme of the the podcast being taking things from page to practice. How do you think that reading can support teachers practice? So I think what's great about reading is it gives you time away from the environment. So you're not in your school doing a CPD session, you're not even in an educational establishment, you can go somewhere which is your own and take some time to really like read through the content if you want. But you can do it at your own your own speed, your own pace. Um, there's a great Peep Show uh, reference where Jeremy says like a book can be about anything. And that's, that's true for educational books. And you can sit down and at your own pace and in your own way, read these things which you maybe can't do in a cpd session where there's a time limit and there's a goal there's an aim or you can't do if you're uh listening to a podcast while you go for a walk like you can take your time you can sit down if you just want to read a chapter that's brilliant if you just want to read a paragraph if you just want to flick through and pick out the bits that kind of jump out to you that's also brilliant so i think the power of educational books is they can mean to you different things than maybe how they were intended and we can interpret them their own way and we can seek out what we want to hear but they also challenge us because we're seeking out literature which is that like reading's the best thing isn't it yeah and i think something you said just now that i thought was really important that you know you can dip in and out you can just read bits you can read the whole thing and i think there's a lot of people out there who are 
I guess, somewhat intimidated by the thought of reading um, about teaching because of the the time cost to it. But exactly what you just said about, you know, you can just dip in and read a chapter. Um, you don't have to commit to an entire thing all at once, but you're carving out that time for yourself is really important. What would you say to someone who said, oh, no, absolutely, I'm not picking up a book about teaching because I just wouldn't know where to start? I think I'd say the same to someone who said, like, oh, I don't want to pick up a book. I wouldn't know where to start in general. I talk about like what what interests you? What's this point that is interesting you? Let's find a book that kind of takes that point of view and runs with it. So if you're really into kind of your teaching tips and you want like little teaching tips here and there, like why not go and get a book that's all about teaching tips? If you want something that's challenging you about your leadership skills in education, well, go and find a book about that. If you want something that's kind of the holistic view of education, like all these books are there. So it's about finding the book that's right for you. And like like with literature in general, once you open that door into educational books and you take that first step, then you kind of fall in, as, I, as I'm sure you know, Beg. Yeah. And then you fall in and you go off on all these branches. But it's that first step. And I think it's about making time. The big thing it always is that it's like, I don't have time. Um, and I always change that point of view, like with myself, when I say I don't have time to read, like, well, like, make time it it might only be five minutes a day it might only be 10 minutes um i saw a great thing once to get people into reading in general was just set yourself a challenge to read one page a day one page it's going to take a minute and you know what once you read one page you're not just going to read one page you're going to read two pages you're going to read a chapter and then you're in but if you just try and read one page a day you're reading and do you know what you make time it's like I've read away from educational books. You know, when you get that great book, that's all you want to do. And you make time for that. It's like binging a series, isn't it? Like you, you make time to do this. Like I remember like some books where I'm like, do you know what? I'm going to read this book today and everything else like will come secondary. Like, so like you make time if you find something that interests you. No, absolutely. So thinking about finding, you know, you talk about finding the book that's the right thing for you. Do you think your reading habits or interests have changed between the time when you were school-based and now you're working outside of schools? So when I was in schools, it was always like, how can this make me better at what I'm going to do tomorrow? Like, like uh, teachers, it's incredibly busy, challenging profession. Like maybe we don't want things that are going to take five, six years to come to fruition. So I want something that was going to change me like the next day. And for me, it was always about my subject for me. That's what got me into educational reading was like trying to read around the subject because I thought that was probably my like biggest area of development as an, as an early teacher. Um, yeah. So I think, I think that's where it kind of, that's where it brought me into was kind of, um, as a teacher, it was about my subject. Whereas now I'm kind of outside the classroom. I, I I just love education. So like just reading around different people's stories, different people's thoughts, even if it's not something that's right on interest in me now, I know it might interest me later. I might come back to it because uh, I dip in and out of these books. As we said, like I very rarely sit and read an educational book cover to cover. I don't, that's not how I consume that content. Um, and that's why I kind of like having these books I can dip in and out of. I think I'm totally the same. You know, a lot of people have said to me in the past whilst I've been doing this podcast, oh, you must read so much. Actually, 
maybe not because I do I dip in and out and I pick out the ones that I want to to dive further into and I can really relate to what you were saying about you know when you were teaching you wanted something that was kind of tangible there and then and now I'm more about okay and what can I what can I learn about other areas of education and be a little bit freer about it um so what was I thinking other than books and podcasts what do you think um what other forms of CPD are around to engage in uh, there's there's so much choice at the moment isn't there like you if you want to consume content you can do it at school in your cpd sessions in your in your team meetings um you can do it with your books your podcasts your blogs your articles um so like there's there's so much out there that like i think that's sometimes a challenge isn't it is to think about like like what what's the way to go for me so that's, I guess, where I'm going with this next question is, yeah, so how how do you, when there is so much out there, decide what to what to focus on next, what to look at, what to what to engage with and what to, what not to bother with, I guess? I think it's always down to you as an individual, isn't it? Of like, what do you want to get out of this? I don't think you should be reading something for somebody else. I know there's schools where we kind of set ideas that we want to read and maybe that's it's kind of a different way of coming about educational reading, but reading all this extra stuff we do, this extra CPD we do. I think the, the word there is extra. Like, mm-hmm. we, don't, Absolutely. We, don't ha- we don't have to do this stuff. We should. And it makes us better teachers, educators, like people, but we don't have to do it. So we decide to do it. And if we decide to do it, let's do something we're passionate about. And let's do something that we want to do because everyone's time is finite like during the day like there's a lot going on so I don't want to be like oh I've got 10 minutes I've got to do some educational reading let's read that book I really don't like that I'm not getting anything out of and I'm not going to use no, no one wants to be that person. no no there's no point is there just I think sometimes it feels like there's so much going on and so many options that it's either difficult to pick the right things or some people start to feel like they need to be doing all of it. So you can go to a research ed event and you can go to uh, 10 sessions in that day, all on different things and come away with your head absolutely buzzing with all of the things you then want to do and then don't get anything out of it <laughs> because there's been too many things. That, things like um, festival education is a really good one. I know you've, you've been to that as well, but how do you walk away from an event like that and go, okay, this is what I'm taking away rather than just it feels like a, a kind of explosion of things going on all at once. <laughs> I think a conference is a really nice way to put like, like even just a book, like you've got all these chapters. You can't take something out of every chapter, every paragraph, every sentence and like immediately implement it and become this perfect teacher. Otherwise we would all just read that one book, become perfect and that would be done. And then we'd have yeah. loads of time to sit in the sunshine. Oh, that'd be nice. <laughs> um, would be nice uh, as we sit indoors around yeah. our microphones. Um, so if, uh, it's just about what do you want to get out of it initially? And then making sure you act upon it. It's really easy to take notes, isn't it? It's really easy to take notes. So like I, I try, and I'm not saying I succeed in this, but what I try to do is think about what I want to get out of this book. And then like a month, a week later, whatever my time frame is, just take a moment to say, like, did I actually do it? Like, what's the point of me reading that next book, listening to that ne- next podcast series or whatever, if I haven't taken away something from the first one? That's fine. Like, it's like reading in general, isn't it? Sometimes you want to read a page turner 
and you finished a book, you put it down and you instantly forget what it's about. But you had fun reading it and that's fine. But if you're doing something to improve yourself long term and by self, I'm talking about kind of your profession, like um, then that's something you need to kind of keep going back to. So there's, there's books that we'll kind of mention later on that I, I, I still come back to because I'm like, there's no point me just reading it if I'm not implementing from it. I think that's really important. Like last, was it last year? Can't remember now. I um, designed these CPD journals because it had exactly that in mind of, well, how do we reflect on this and how do we try and make sure we get something out of it? And I think that's something that maybe we we don't do enough of or CPD in schools is set up. So we do this session uh, and you might have an observation later to check that you've done that particular thing, but we don't necessarily encourage teachers to reflect and to have that time as much as, you know, when when I trained, everything was about being reflective. And then suddenly I feel like that, that kind of went by the wayside somewhere on the line, but that's what conversations like this allow us to do, right? We can have that time to reflect on on our practice and reflect on what we've read. And I think that's how these kind of conversations really, really help us develop. Yeah, some of the best things I've seen happening in schools, and I think we've spoke about this before, is when three or four teachers go, I'm each going to read a different chapter of this book. Then I'm going to come together and I'm going to share like the, the key point from this chapter. And then between us, we've read a book in two weeks because we're each just reading one chapter. That's a nice way you can kind of take this content and build on it. And then you have that meeting, you have that cup of tea a month later and you go, oh, you know, you said you were going to, I don't know, stop printing off three types of worksheets, one in red, orange and green. Have you actually stopped doing that? Uh, I'm just remembering my life as an NQT there. Um, but like, have you actually have you actually done the thing you said you were going to do? Uh, if not, why not? Is it because of time? Is because you didn't know how to do it or is it because you tried it and it failed like but let's keep reflecting let's keep thinking back do you think everybody feels able to have those conversations in schools because I think it's nice when you can it's great when you can and I'd like to think about how we can facilitate that better but I think a lot of the time some people who are are reading feel like they might be a bit alone in their school and other people aren't necessarily interested when we're so time poor in schools what do you think we can be doing to facilitate and encourage that a bit better i think this is where it comes down to the leaders and the cultures in the school i've worked in schools that absolutely promote this and you kind of want to be reading because it that's that these are the conversations that you're going to have after school and in your team meetings um like when I when I used to run team meets, I would try and bring in like, oh, who who's got a great idea? Who's brought something in? Let's share. Let's talk about that and build that into the time frame. Um, I think yeah, it's it's the job of leaders, and I'm going to use the word leaders in kind of general rather than kind of your official leadership in the school. It might be that person in the department who everyone turns to who might indicate you to a book. That's one of the ways I first got into educational books was my second in department said oh do you know what actually like why don't you try this and like we'll come back and we'll chat informally about this when we're in the corridor or when i'll I'll pop into your classroom and see how it's going um and it's about making time isn't it it's like with anything like you just have to sometimes say do you know what that two o'clock to two ten on a thursday i'm going to pop into jim or claire's classroom next door and we're going to talk about something we've read and that's set in stone like that like nothing gets in the way of that. 
Like we turn off our laptops, we sit down, we have a 10 minute conversation, then we go our separate ways. And then that 10 minutes might become 15 minutes. And then that 15 minutes might bring someone else in. And then you might have a, your next staff meeting might incorporate that into it. And then you start building that culture. Um, but if it's something you're passionate about, like talk to people, like make it happen. Even if it's those quiet conversations with your friends or someone else, you don't have to walk into the principal and demand that every day has seven hours of dedicated reading time. Like maybe don't do that. <laughs> and I think that's a really good point because I was talking to somebody else about this the other day, someone who's not a senior leader in their school, who is becoming that person that people go to, to, talk about things or they know that she's the one who's read this book or whatever and she's beginning to kind of build herself a bit of a reputation in in school for that but it's really is important and it's actually quite exciting to think that you don't need to be in a actual official leadership position to start having that snowball effect and start changing I think a lot of people who listen to podcasts like this aren't in those positions they're just people who are just interested um so to know that actually if you've got that interest then make the most of it you know be that person who says oh i read this should we try this and just drip feeding in amongst colleagues i think can really make the the change because we we look at cpd and we think only senior leaders have got the power to change these things but if you look at it on that really small level you can kind of things can tick over and change in a, in a different way can't they yeah like one of the first people, my first couple of weeks as a teacher was my HLTA in the classroom who I would speak with in the classroom and be like, oh, that didn't work, did it? And she'd be like, do you know what? Why, why don't you try this? I remember this from somewhere where I did it. Like, why don't you try this? And she like, would, like inadvertently was challenging me every day to be better. But then I've also had it with senior leaders who will, will do the same. But it's a, I think it's, if you're asking questions to improve, you should never be embarrassed to ask that question. Um, because that's what we want from everyone, isn't it? Yeah, and having those opportunities and creating your own opportunities to do that, not seeing that. And I think things have changed. You know, at one point when you said CPD, people thought everyone had to be sat in the hall or you'd paid a few hundred quid to be sat in a in a hotel somewhere having someone talk to you. And I think we're, we're changing that image now of CPD being about your own professional development that is happening continuously. Oh, there we are, CPD. But it doesn't have to be about those one-off events and those conversations are, are, are more important, arguably, aren't they? Yeah, it doesn't have to be a formalised sheet where you tick off your timesheet at the end and be like, I have had my one hour on <laughs> on my learning, therefore I am now better. That's not how learning works. No. We know that. So before we move on to our final section, is there anything that you were hoping to talk about today that we haven't really covered at this point? I think it's just communicating to everyone like, to, to do your CPD in the way that suits you. Like, I know like your your passion is educational books. That's what this podcast is about. And for those people, that is great. But if you're not into educational books, but you're into blogs, then that's awesome. Or you're into your YouTube videos from some people. Like, like mind the gap. You don't have to listen to a podcast. You can watch a YouTube video. Like, that's, you're still learning. Like, if your way of learning is listening to uh, an an educational podcast in your drive into work because that gets you in the right frame of mind and that's where you like like that's brilliant like like I do a lot of my thinking and learning doing the washing up like that's kind of my zone out place that where it's go to um and I listen to audiobooks there if like the actual physical book isn't working for me but it's about like not feeling guilty because someone else's way of learning doesn't kind of correspond with 
kind of your priorities and like how how your life is working at that moment. We don't all have a two hour commute that works for us to do that. We don't all go for a two hour run on a Sunday that allows us to do that. So it's like doing what's right for you. And also, do you know what? If you're not doing any right now, don't feel guilty. Like we talk a lot about what you should be doing and what you could be doing. But if you're not doing anything right now, but you're going in and being a great teacher every day, then like you shouldn't feel guilty because you're not then coming home and doing four hours of reading. Like, Absolutely. The most important thing is, you know, looking after yourself and doing doing the best you can at your job without, you know, spending your entire life on it, which is easy to say when we're people that like to sit and talk about education uh, yeah, with it's other a, people. It's, a, it's Saturday afternoon and we're sitting talking <laughs> yeah. educational books, but like, yeah. But that's fine for us. And if you don't want to do that, absolutely fine. That's fine. So before we move on to this final section, then, uh, where can people find you in terms of social media handles, websites, anything you'd like to share? Uh, do you know what? Just go on Twitter at T and teaching. Uh, that's the educational podcast you can listen to with a cup of tea with me and Mike Carrowell. We release episodes, long form episodes once every two weeks on a Monday during term time. And you can hear our teachable moments section every Wednesday during term time. Uh, if you just search tea and teaching wherever you get your podcasts. Sign up to receive the From Page to Practice weekly newsletter to read tips and advice from my guests, as well as information on upcoming episodes. Find the link in the show notes for this episode. Okay, so final section. I think I'm now finally calling this the CPD library round. I've been umming and ahhing, but CPD library kind of works for what this is. Yeah. Um, and originally it was going to be a quick fire round. And then I remembered I'm talking to teachers and teachers who are all going to like to give, you know, reasons for their choices and all those kinds of things. So it's up to you. Take it as quick fire or as lengthy as you like to, depending on the on the category, if you wish. So I've got certain categories here and I'd like to hear either the book or the article or the podcast or the whatever CPD related really um, that relates to this thing. So the first one is what first got you into evidence informed practice? Uh, I've so the book that got me into evidence informed practice was, and I've mentioned this on my podcast quite a lot, was Craig Barton's How I Wish I Taught Maths. For me, at that stage in my career, that was the book I needed because it was focused on all aspects of kind of learning, but kind of through the prism of maths. Um, and that just really worked for me at that time. And that's still the book I still the book I go to now. Um, and it's still the one I will mention as kind of the one that got me thinking differently about education, took me just out of focusing on myself and tried to think about it a bit wider and what I could what I could learn rather than just reflecting upon my own lesson. Perfect example. So the next one then is one that resonated with you the most. So I've actually gone for a chapter of the book I was talking about. Fine. Because <laughs> resonated to me was like, what was the one that really got me thinking? And there was a there's a chapter in about maths in um, real life. And I was brought up, trained this idea of like, every time you do maths, you should relate it to the real world. So like, uh, if I'm teaching quadratic curves and the kid goes, oh, I don't like quadratics, but I like football. I should go, wow, imagine kicking a football and it goes in the curve. Now we can like, but I, I was never happy with this. I was never comfortable with this. And we did some training at school around this and other subjects were talking about how it works in their subjects. And then I read this chapter it was talking about, do you know what? Sometimes maths is abstract and that's the beauty of maths. Um, so without going too much in kind of the math thing, like 
challenging something I hearing someone I respected say something I was already thinking kind of then got me thinking well maybe I should maybe I should keep reading because maybe maybe I'm not an idiot kind of thing (laughs) I like that I spoke to someone the other day about you know that same kind of thing that it doesn't have to be that you're finding things that are changing your views but actually sometimes you want something that gives you some confidence to go okay I have you know I've got something right there and that's fine too as long as you're not seeking out to only read those things all the time right so the next one is the opposite of that what challenged your views so maybe it changed the way you were thinking or you read it and thought oh that's really different to what I believed so challenged your views so this was a book that was recommended to me by uh, I think Ross McGill when he came on our podcast um it was inventing yourself by Sarah Jane Blakemore um so it's it's probably not a teach classing as a teaching book but it's all about how the human brain develops as kind of people grow up and especially kind of through those teenage formative years. And it was just a book um, that really challenged kind of what I was understanding about how people learn, how they develop and why people act, especially teenage act as they do. And it's a book I, I, I still always recommend to people who are just interested about education, take out teaching, take out that just, like I recommend it to parents all the time. Uh, Inventing Ourselves by Sarah Jane Blakemore. Like just a really fascinating book and really accessible. So it's really interesting, really informative, but really accessible. Um, and it's, I think it's made me understand kind of uh, like being a dad more um, and being kind of a, a brother and as a son, as a father, um, but also has helped me when I'm educating um, teenagers. <laughs> teenagers especially yeah. <laughs> no, that sounds like a really good one not one i've heard about so um next is had the biggest impact on your practice so i've gone for a blog on this one um, um and i've gone for the blogs uh written by inner drive the inner drive team uh who who go and do cpd sessions around the country and they've like i could just say blogs by inner drive in general because i really like them but i think their ones on revision are excellent because they're really clear like kind of the do's and don'ts of revision um you can go away and find out more but they're really clear concise um and i think what i really like the way inner drive go about it with all their infographics and stuff like that they've got a couple of great books as well if you want to go and deeper dive into that stuff but um i really like their blog so quite often if i'm interested in something i'll type the title and just type inner drive and then i'll read one of their blogs on it yeah, they've got some really good stuff. I quite like the way their books are set out as well, yeah. the, with the summaries and things in them. Um, so should be ECT or ITT required reading? I feel I've gone really cliche here. I've gone for like Fine. why student why students don't like school by Daniel oh, Willingham. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I just think I think it's a really nice kind of intro into kind of the real basics of learning and then it goes from there but i just find i especially like the first 50 pages i just think are so accessible and they just really draw you in and they make you want to go and do better so when you asked this question uh, i was thinking of like what was the book i wish i'd read in my first stages when i was training and that's the book i think i would i wish someone had given to me and said why not read this yeah and understand that that around it before you start trying to teach would be a yeah a good one. Um, where I'm up to inspired you. So I was thinking because I'm really loath to give Craig Barton another shout out. <laughs> <laughs> I, really, I, really, I really don't want to give him another shout out, but it is the book I wrote down. Um, 
but I won't. Um, I really like the inaction series um, by a host, a host of uh, writers. Uh, Amabir Sings, I think, is brilliant on Delotsky. Um, I think that's a really nice way. So they're the ones that kind of, because they're really nice and ex- I keep saying the word accessible. So I think you can see kind of what I want for my edgy books here. Um because they're really short, easy reads. You get what you want from them, and then you can go and implement them. And um, I would call it Amabears because I think that's a, a lovely book into mm-hmm. it. So no, the action so series is great, yeah. They're just, they were, in my previous, in my school before I, I moved on, one of the things I did was trying to encourage people to read, and I was buying multiple copies of some of those books because those were ones that you could you could wave in front of a staff meeting and go, look how small this book is. You know, have, pick it up. You can you can pick something up from it straight away. I'm not picking up something and saying it's got a million and one chapters in it. It's not at all intimidating. Um, and then there's that whole range of of topics aren't there we we read one uh by kate jones and of course the whole series started with tom sherrington's one on on rosenshine didn't it i think so uh, yeah really good series they're the kind uh, of books that you could give one of them to five people you can each go and read them in a day like in not much time and then you suddenly got this absolute pool of knowledge to bring it back to so um, I really like it as a series. Yeah, that's exactly what we did. A few people went away. We came back. We had a good discussion on it. It was great. Um, so your most recent read? So the most reads, uh, the one I'm kind of, this is kind of, I've, I've combined this with m- the one I'm reading and my next read because I'm kind of, Fine. as we go, is the <laughs> AI Classroom by Dan um, Fitzpatrick. Oh, interesting. Um, uh, so we had Dan on the podcast um very recently and it's all about how how you can use ai as an educator in the classroom uh really clear loads of stuff you can take away and i'm kind of working my way through that so that's my my current and next read Um, that's really good it's it's really current topic as well isn't it a really current topic yeah and uh having spoken to him on the pod recently he's awesome like he's like he's been a teacher so it's not just someone who doesn't understand teaching come out he's been a teacher um, and now is this kind of AI educator. Uh, and you can also just search AI educator and all his stuff is on his website, which is phenomenal. But the, uh, the book is, the book is on the, uh, the side table. Nice. And so I've got one last one and people have taken this in different directions. So doesn't exist, but should. So it could be something that you think, I really want to read more about this particular thing. Or it could be, "Mm, this is a really important topic that teachers need to know more about. And I don't think that's being put all in one place in one book or, oh, it doesn't exist because I'm going to write it, you know, (laughs) take it how you like. So this was, the, I know everyone's going to say, this was the one that I've actually just got a massive question mark next to it. Because I think the book that doesn't exist, and I would argue cannot exist, but I would like to exist, is the book that is written for you at that exact stage in your career, in the context in which you are in. Because the only person I think who can write that book at any moment is yourself. Um, and you can't write that book because you don't know the things you don't know. So the book that is written for you in the context, because every great education book, doesn't it? It starts with, oh, by the way, remember your own context. So I, I kind of want a book. Do you remember those kids as like, um, famous five where you say like, do you follow the troll? Do you not follow the dog? I want one that says like, 
where are you teaching? And I click and it comes up with this. And maybe this was this with AI bringing it back. But like, I want that book that speaks to me at that moment. Um, and maybe the only person that can write that book is myself, but I can only write that book as myself once I've reflected upon the moment that has already happened. So that's my book that doesn't exist cannot exist or can it I don't know <laughs> I really like that everybody's taken it so differently and that is the first time I've heard that version so I like <laughs> it thank you <laughs> so I think that's more or less it we've finished all of the the CPD library round we've talked all about podcasts and books and CPD and how we can do it or don't need to do it or all of the rest of it so um, I hope you've enjoyed the conversation I certainly have is there anything you want to say before we finish no it's been an absolute pleasure uh Thank you for your time. Uh, and it's been great, great chatting, great chatting. Always is. I love the fact that these conversations just seem to fly past and I get to the end and go, oh, 40 minutes. How did that happen? So, uh, yep, here's to many more of those. Thanks. Are you interested in evidence-informed practice? Do you have a favourite edgy book? Have an idea of what great CPD is and should be? Or to just generally have a chat about education? Please sign up to join me for a conversation. I rely on volunteers from all contexts and levels of experience. Visit learninglinguist.co.uk forward slash page practice podcast for the sign up form. I hope you enjoyed listening to that chat. Next week's episode is with Lisa, who speaks about how reading for CPD improves her practice in primary maths. Don't worry if it's not your specialism, it certainly isn't mine either and I got a lot from the conversation. You've been listening to From Page to Practice. Don't forget to join in the conversation using hashtag page practice podcast. Thanks go to Kevin McLeod of Incomtech.com for use of the tracks Cheery Monday and Fuzzball Parade which are licensed under Creative Commons.